A liturgy for Good Friday, the fifth reflection, based on John chapter 19, verses 16 to 27. So they crucified him. Crucifixion is the most cruel and painful of death sentences. Even the Romans regarded it with horror. It was originally a Persian method of execution, to whom the earth was sacred. In not wishing to defile the earth with the body of an evildoer, they would nail the person to a cross and leave them to die, to be taken by the vultures. The routine of crucifixion followed a standard form. As soon as the verdict was given, it would be carried out immediately. The criminal was accompanied by four Roman soldiers, and he would carry his own cross. Before him would walk an officer with a placard bearing the charge made. The criminal would be made to take a circuitous route to the place of execution in order for as many people as possible to see the procession. This was both as a means of deterrence, but also to enable anyone able to bear witness to the criminal's favour to come forward and do so. In such cases, the procession would be halted and the case retried. In Jerusalem, the place of execution was called in Hebrew Golgotha, or in Latin Calvary which means place of the skull. It would have been outside the city walls, for it was not lawful to crucify someone within the city. It is thought that the formation of rocks there gave the place its name. So Jesus was taken to the place of the skull, battered, bruised and bleeding, his flesh torn by the scourging. He carried his own cross to the place where he knew he was to die. The inscription on the cross was in Hebrew, in Latin and in Greek, the three great languages of the ancient world. Greece taught the world beauty of form and beauty of thought. Rome taught the world law and good governance. The Hebrew nation taught the world religion and the worship of the true God. And here there can be no doubt that Pilate put his inscription on the cross to irritate the people of the Hebrew nation. They just said they had no king but Caesar, refusing to have Jesus as their king. But Pilate deliberately wrote, Jesus of Nazareth, King of the Jews. The Jewish leaders asked him to remove it, but he refused. What I have written, I have written, he said. Now this is the same man who, with Jesus before him, had wavered. He had allowed himself to be manipulated into giving the Jewish leaders their will. Here, he does not move an inch. With Jesus on the cross, the Roman soldiers took his property and divided it. There were four soldiers, but five items. His sandals, his turban, his outer robe, his girdle, and his tunic. In fulfilment of the prophecy given in verse 18 of Psalm 22, which we read earlier, they cast lots for the fifth item, Jesus' tunic. It would have been a single piece of cloth with no seams and thus not easily divided. It is thought that Mary had woven the seamless tunic for her son, given to him as he set out on to begin his ministry. How poignant that this mother's priceless gift should have been the subject of such thoughtlessness. But there is a deeper symbolism here. The description of Jesus' tunic matches exactly that worn by the Jewish high priest. 
A priest is meant to be a bridge builder between God and the people, hence the Latin name Pontifex. In that sense, Jesus was truly our great high priest. There can be no doubt that John, in describing the tunic so precisely, intended us to see this link. Mercifully, with Jesus now hanging on the cross, he was not completely alone. John tells us that standing near the cross were four women, including his mother, people who loved Jesus. For Mary, his mother, she could be nowhere else. He may be a criminal in the eyes of the law, but he was also her son. Mary was there with her sister, who is not named, but who we know from the accounts of Mark and Matthew to be Salome, the mother of James and of John, the disciple whom Jesus loved. We know nothing of the third woman, Mary, the mother of Clopas, but Mary Magdalene we do know very well. It seems that with them was John, and our passage ends with the moving account of Jesus from the cross asking him to look after Mary as his own mother, and Mary to care for John as her son. As has been said many times before, we are truly humbled by this act of kindness. In the very moment when the salvation of the world hung in the balance, Jesus was thinking more about the sorrows of others than his own. In the silence that follows, and gathered as we are at the foot of the cross, let us seek to rise above any tendency towards hypocrisy, indifference or self-seeking, and to hallow God's name. Thanks be to God. Amen.